Thank you for listening to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. If you'd like more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithworship.org. <laughs> she gave me an hour. <laughs> she did say the man of the hour, she said. Of the hour. I, I will take it. No. Oh, man, that, I was glad she did that because... If she hadn't come up right after that video, I was I was a wreck. Uh, I went I went, uh, my wife and I went to Hope of Life a number of times. Whew, man, there is something powerful about reaching people, giving them an experience of God's love. It's just man, every one of you should go at least four times. And no, I'm not kidding. You'd laugh. I'm not joking. <laughs> it's worth every penny. One year. One year we took our whole family, that's four kids and, and the two of us, so six of us. We all had to raise $1,800. We took our address book and we divided it up. And, and we, we stepped back and we were like, oh, Jesus. I'm not kidding. Like we had no idea, no idea. I have no idea how it happened. But they, we all went I, to this day. No idea. Just do it. Just make the decision and go. Talk to Mary. Trust me. Trust me. It's an awesome, awesome opportunity. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> so many things in my head. So we're going to take a look. <laughs> yeah, not the Bible, just stuff. No. <laughs> we're going to take a look at Matthew 18. Oh, okay, just a little part of it, actually, because there's a lot in there. Um, but but I like the, the Matthew 18 and in Matthew 19, God talk, Jesus has a little encounter with children, and he loves them. Okay, he just loves children. And I, I think it's significant when things are repeated in Scripture, and I find it interesting that he does it, in essence, in back-to-back chapters before he does the triumphal entry. So that, I guess this is Palm Sunday message. No, it <laughs> uh, could be, I guess. No, I'd be, all right. So, so I just love that he loves children. And I know, I, this is off script. Um, I know that there is nothing wrong with junior church and, and being able to drop kids off and freeing up the parents to worship uh, without their children. I get that. We don't have that. It doesn't. And again, this is not, it's just we don't. And I'm not against it, it's just we don't. So what we do have, though, is what I want you to know, is we have this opportunity for our children to worship in multi-generational adoration of God. And I'm telling you, that's powerful. It's powerful in their lives. And, and it's powerful in mine as well. Because there's times I just sit and watch them, and I think, I just think... I just, how much fun are they having in the presence of God? Like, I know that physically they may be trying to play soccer. (laughs) But I trust the fact that their spirits are, they just don't know what to do with the freedom that they have in the presence of God. They're like, this is just awesome. Let's just run. And they do. And and I know, I know, I I watch the parents and sometimes I check in with them because... But they do, they step in, they try to, they try to contain, 
They definitely tried to have to keep them off the stage. You're never allowed on the stage. <laughs> but it's, it's precious. It's precious that they, I think, I think it's precious. So what we have, I think, is precious. I'm not against anything else. I'm, please don't take it that way. And, and I, just, I just saw those verses, and I, as soon as I read them, I thought of those guys right over there. And, I mean, I, I have a grandson, you know, Jonah. He just bursts in. He don't care what's going on. Just bursts in, screams my name, jumps in my arms, and then just flops there. <laughs> and I just hold him. I, I, you've seen me. I just I don't know how long that will last. But I'll tell you, I just enjoy it while I can. It's like I'm just going to. So many times I just pour, I speak over him in tongues, and I just think, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why he just wants to be held by me right now. But I'll take it. And, and I'll take it for any of them. So just if, I, I do know, you know, you may be having a moment, and then you might hear a squeal. Take the moment to bless the squeal, because those generations continue the revival that you're a part of. So just bless them, just bless them, just bless them. And, and if you want to give a parent a break, let's just go over and say, hey, I'll, I'll watch your kid. And you can go back, and then you corral them. <laughs> Sorry, also off script. So in Matthew 18, God covered, Jesus covered a lot of stuff, but I wanted, to, I wanted to go to verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, this is right, not right after, but the, the passage, the, the verses just before that, God talks about, uh, you know, how to, how to correct a brother who's offended the, you or whatever. And, and, and I'll tell you, you know, so many times people look at those verses and they think, this is our opportunity to separate out of the church all the people that we don't like. And I know I've heard it preached that way, and it breaks my heart because everything I see in those passages is Jesus is like, you have it, you know, you do everything you possibly can to maintain communication with anybody for as long as possible. And then if you can't bring bring friends so that not so that you can tell them what they're wrong, but to make sure that you're hearing everything that they're saying. Communication is so, so much about your opportunity to listen to the other person. It, and you, at least for me, like I have to focus because I get really excited by what people say and I want to, I want to participate. I want to jump right in and be like, oh, especially when they're telling me about stuff they're learning in scripture. Like I just, I just want to pour it out. Like, oh, oh, yes, and, and this, but I don't. I have to say, breathe, Bob, just listen, just listen. And that's what, that's, what he, that's what those verses are about. Listen, listen, make sure every word is established. Hear their heart, define the words, make sure you know what's going on. Man, definition of words are so important. And we'll see that in the passage I actually cover. But We've got to define the words when we're talking, even if you've been living in the same house for 30 plus years. I give this illustration in our communication class, right? Just the, just the phrase, I'll be right down, right? If you don't define that, it could be 35 minutes or 35 seconds. It depends on the person. For me, it's seconds. I'll be right down. I'm there. 
Others in the house? No. It, it takes more time than seconds. That's okay. It's a definition thing. We can work on this. Sorry. This is not communication class, Bob. I know. So I just think, and then I, you know, that last phrase in that little passage or whatever, where he's like, okay, and then you treat them like a heathen. And so many churches have taken that to mean we just kick them out and shut the doors. Really? Is that the way we treat heathens? No. No. He's like, then you just, you just treat him like somebody who doesn't understand how much I love him. That's how we treat heathens. We give them an experience with the love of God. We don't kick them out of the building. Ay, 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 Bob, stay calm. So, in the next passage, which is the part I would like to cover... <laughs> Peter says, so, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody who offends me? Seven times? Now, Peter, bless his heart. I, people, some people think this way. I get it. You'd like to know what to do in order to be right. It's fine to think that way. You're not sinful. It's a fair question. Now, Peter is more than doubling what the Pharisees require. The Pharisees require that you, that you forgive three times. So he's going seven. Boom. He just wants to know. Like, I just want to, I, I, think, I think Peter's heart is absolute. his motive is right. It's like, oh, God, I just want to be right with you. What do I have to do? Tell me what to do. But, but that is the, you know, that's, that's the, the little roots of the, of the law that get, into, get, that get in the way of the heart of the law. It's like, so I, I always picture Jesus smiling. So I picture him smiling. Which is like up to seven times. And Jesus is thinking, that's so sweet. <laughs> Bless his heart. He more than doubled the Pharisees. Peter, you got a great heart. I love you. I really do. Uh, let's see. Um, how about 70 times seven times? Wait, what? Whoa, what? Jesus is... This is funny. Like, this is Jesus' humor. He's like, forgiveness is, like, ridiculous. Like, just be ridiculous with forgiveness. Like, you can't keep track of how many times you forgave somebody. Like, you've forgiven them so many times, it's ridiculous. That's how many times. Because Peter at first thought he actually had to keep track of 490 forgivenesses. <laughs> but Jesus was literally just like, it's all the time. Just forgive all the time. That's awesome. 70 times 7. If I didn't write down the actual math, I wouldn't, it would have taken me a minute to actually figure it out. So that's why I studied before I preached. My wife's laughing for the reality of that last statement, not for the humor of it. All right. So, yeah. I'd be like, honey, how much is 70 times 7? She'd be like, I'll be right down. <laughs> da, 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 da. All right. So, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is this. This is this is this has to be exciting. So, so he gives this 
this answer to, to Peter. The disciples are around. I'm sure there's, there's many other people around. Jesus was a well-known rabbi. He was appreciated. His teaching style was very attractive. You don't get you know, thousands of people to hang out in the desert for three days and listen to a boring person preach. Trust me, he was entertaining. He was humorous. He was life-giving in all that he did. And, and I'm sure there were lots of people around. So when he started the phrase, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, they were probably like, oh, good, good, good. yes, story time. I love it when Jesus does parables. They're all excited. You ever been around a good storyteller? And you just want them to tell a, tell a story. Like, it's, it's, you know, they're like, uh, I, like, I kind of need context. Like, what kind of story do you want? But I, I used to make up stories, like, for my kids. And it freaks me out that they still remember them. Because I was making it up on the fly. But they'll tell me the stories. They remember them. They remember where we were when, when I told them and, and who each character was because they were in every story. And I continued some of them for days on end, weeks on end. I had a blast. I have no idea if they were good. I just know they remember them. And I know, uh, I know there's others. Oh, who is it? Linda. Linda tells stories because her daughter takes pictures of her telling stories. And, and, and just the wide-eyedness of her grandchildren watching her tell the story. It's awesome. So, so when you see this phrase, like you got to picture that, at least I do, Jesus starts out, therefore the kingdom of heaven, and people are like, oh yes, a story. The kingdom of heaven is like a king, or a master, or whatever you want to say, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, now, whether you have 10,000 10, talents of gold, bags of gold, whatever your interpolation of the Bible, trust me, this is ridiculous. Again, the humor of Jesus. He captures everyone's attention. He's like, so this, this king, this master, calls in the servants who owe him money. There needs to be an accounting. Kind of like the end of the month here at the church, and, and the pastors need to turn in their receipts. Trust me. <laughs> this happens. Because my wife's a bookkeeper. Honey, what did you buy? Oh, yeah, yeah, this is what I bought. Where's the receipt? I, I don't. Go look. <laughs> but we know what it was for. Go look. I, I don't even argue. It's like, yes, dear. I just go. I just I go through my wallet go through the car, go through the office. I, crazy, I usually find them. Because I know enough to get them. That part's been drilled in. <laughs> Putting them in the same spot, still working. But, so it's kind of like that, okay? Periodically, you'd call in everybody who owed you money, and you'd do an accounting. So he's doing this. He calls in somebody who owes him, in essence, the equivalent of like $16 trillion. A servant who owes him, like, this is on, on par with, like, national debt. Like, this is not going to, this is huge number. So everybody laughs. And then he says, and the servant says, uh, yeah, I can't, what did he say? Uh, since he wasn't able to pay, like, now, the, now his audience is roll, rolling. Well, of course he can't pay. Like, who can pay that? Who can pay 10,000 bags of gold? 
What did he do to get in that kind of debt? How in the world do you owe a master 10000 This is like, I'm thinking, like a Ponzi scheme. That's what I'm thinking. Like this guy, this guy was working the whole country into debt. It's ridiculous amounts of money. It was brought in. It's like he wasn't able to pay. The master said, all right, well, then I guess you got to go to jail, and probably your children and your, and your wife need to go there too. Now, this was, this, was, <laughs> this was stating the obvious. This is the results of your choices. You can't pay the debt, you go to jail until you can pay the debt, which is never going to happen. <laughs> it's impossible. So the master calls him in. He repeats what he owes. He exposes him to the, to the consequences of his debt. And the servant falls on his knees and says, please be patient with me. I'll pay you back. Oh, man, Jesus can tell a funny story. I'll pay you back. Now, this, this uh, again, I'm sure everybody's laughing because this is an impossible thing to do. I'll pay back everything. So the, master's, the, servant, the master took pity on him. He cancels the debt, and he lets him go. Now, that word debt means more than just the money. It means he, he, he canceled out any, any physical harm, any emotional harm. It, it's an all-encompassing word. It's very much the illustration of, of God's forgiveness to all of us. You got a debt you cannot pay. But he cancels it. You can even beg him to let you pay it. And he just smile. Oh, that's sweet. No, it's all right. I'll just forgive the whole thing. I'll forgive it all, and you'll be fine. He did not bring the servant in to embarrass him. He did not bring him in to pour shame on him for what he owed. The plan all along was to show the servant mercy. You don't bring somebody in who owes you 10,000 bags of gold and expect to get paid. It doesn't happen. The master didn't bring him in to get paid. He brought him in to expose him to mercy. He brought him in to expose him to grace and to love and to forgiveness. He didn't bring him in to expose him to shame and guilt and manipulate him into feeling bad. He didn't, he didn't say, well, you'll have to go to prison in order to, in order to make him feel bad. He, exposed, he, he expressed that just so that the guy was reminded this is, the, this is what the results of your choices are. You don't get into that kind of debt and not have probably used the master's name in vain. You have, not, you have probably manipulated and lied and cheated. You don't get this kind of debt, being honest. Like literally, none of you could have a debt this big even if, the, even if you had a black card from... From American Express. You'd come close, though, but you probably couldn't get this high. 
even a black card from American Express would probably call you up somewhere around $2 trillion and say, uh, you okay? This is, this is a ridiculous amount of forgiveness. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's ridiculous when it comes to, to forgiveness. It's awesome when it comes to forgiveness. Everybody, I would imagine, in, the, in this courtyard, right? There's the day of accounting has come. So there's a lot of people there that owe the master money. And they, a lot of them have brought the money that they owed because it's not that much. And, but everybody knew this guy owed serious amounts of cash. And they're all kind of wondering, what's, what's the master going to do? So they see the heart of, of, of the Father. They see the heart of mercy. I kind of picture the master laughing when the guy's like, I, I promise I'll pay back every penny. <laughs> That's not going to happen. You're forgiven. The whole thing. Everything. All the stuff you did. All the physical stuff you did. All the emotional stuff you did. Even the money stuff. Everything's forgiven. You can go. Have a great day. <sighs> then he went out. He went out looking. He went out looking for somebody who owed him money. And I know that there's different amounts in the scripture, but the bottom line is, whatever the amount is, it was an amount that could be paid back. It was not an astronomical amount of money. Uh, I've heard, you know, I've seen it from anywhere from a week's pay to three months' pay. Uh, one place put it at one six hundred thousandths of the amount that the servant had just been forgiven. But that's a number I have no idea what it means. I literally just wrote it out. I said, somebody, this will make sense to somebody. One six hundred thousandths of a percent. Whatever it was, it was something that could be paid back, something that uh, should be paid back. And probably the reason why it hadn't been paid back is because the plan, it was such an insignificant amount that there wasn't any plan for him to pay it back. It was just, hey, can I borrow? Yeah, sure, you can borrow that. Okay, I'll pay you back sometime. Awesome. So this guy goes out into the marketplace and he's looking for this guy who owes him this little bit amount of money and he grabs him by the throat, which is awesome. <laughs> but evidently, like in our culture, if we saw somebody going to Walmart and somebody like you look across the aisle and be like, you owe me 50 bucks. And you, the guy grabbed him by the throat, like we'd be like called security. Like there is, there is trouble. There's going to be a beat down. This is bad. But in that culture, it actually was not an, an irregularity for someone to get grabbed by the throat and demanded for debt to be paid. It was, it was actually a, a, a public symbol to embarrass the person who owed the money in order to shame them into paying the money immediately. It was a, it was a pull of power on the, on the person who grabbed him. So here's a guy who's just been forgiven the national debt, and he's worried about some pocket change. How, how do you get there? You get there because he didn't think he deserved forgiveness.
He knew he was bad. He knew he owed a debt he couldn't pay. He knew he was in deep trouble. Or so he thought. And it turns out the master was fine. Master covered it and released him. But he had such a heart of resentment, a root of resentment, of bitterness, that he started to behave the way he thought the master should have behaved. He didn't think he deserved that kind of goodness. He didn't think he deserved that kind of love. He didn't think he deserved that kind of mercy. So he decided, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to pay him back anyway. What? You've just been forgiven 10,000 bags of gold. I'm, I'm paying it back. I don't care. I don't care what, I don't, I don't believe the master. I mean, how many of us, none of us here, I'm sure. How many of us know people in other churches? <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Some of us might have struggled with this, right? We hear somebody say, you're forgiven. God's forgiven you. And we sit there and think, well, that would be really nice if that was true. I don't believe it. You know, I know this is sozo, but I actually didn't tell you everything I did. <laughs> I'm actually worse than you think. And all we keep hearing from God is, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. I forgave everything. I took care of this. I covered this. Everything's fine. I love you. And we keep saying, I don't deserve it. You need to be quiet. I don't believe you. I'll pay you back. So this guy's like, you owe me $1,000. I'll pay you back. Whoa, dude, I know, okay? I'm not arguing. I'll pay you back. No, you're going to jail right now. Now, debtor's jail was, was basically very, <laughs> no, it probably isn't basically. It's probably not fair to the IRS, but it's kind of like garnishing your wages. You, you slept in the jail. In the morning, you were let out. You would do your labor. When you came back, you had to turn in all the money. And they would keep the money until your debt was paid. And when your debt was paid, you were allowed out of, out of jail. So that was, that was, so you were separated from your family. You didn't, you know, they, your family had to bring you your food or and clothing or whatever else you needed. You weren't allowed to go home. So that was debtor's prison. So that's where this guy is thrown. He's thrown into debtor's prison right away. No chance to even go, even if he had the money. And I'm guessing he probably had some of it already stored away because he knows eventually he's got to pay this guy back. He just didn't have any plan set forth on when to do it. So he wasn't even allowed to go get what he had. He was sent immediately to prison. Well, this, of course, really upset the other people that saw this because they knew what this guy had, had just been forgiven by the master. And the rumors start to, start to run back to the master's house. And the master hears what's going on. He's like, oh, really? All right. Well, why don't you bring him back in? <laughs> now, I'm going to read you these verses because this is where, this is where religious thoughts get all discombobulated with what Jesus is saying because we want, we are oftentimes like the servant who was forgiven, we want a God who actually gets mad at us. And, and, and I'll, I'll explain later. Okay, let me read it. 
Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on the fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jail, jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Man, there is so many ver- so much in the, that, those verses that sure does sound like, like somebody other than God. So let's break this down. <laughs> in anger, let me, let me start there. In anger. What does God get angry at? The very people? No. He gets angry at what lies of the enemy steal from people. So in anger... He sees what's happening inside the heart of the servant. He sees the bitterness. He sees the resentment. He sees the pride and the arrogance, the lack of ability to receive mercy that all those things bring, and he's angry. I get angry. I get angry at at what I know sin has done in somebody's life. I mean, even thinking about things now, like there are things that just, I just... The enemy is just insidious. I hate that man. The inno- when he steals innocence from people, I cannot tell you how irritated I become with him. When he rips people's identity apart, they have no idea who they are or where to go to find it. Man, that bothers me. When I see giftings that people have and he has has taken from them, he's distracted them with lies or or activities that have kept them from moving forward in the kingdom of God, I get angry. But I'm not mad at the person. Man, I'd like to just, I'd like to slap that devil. So I do, I do. I slap him with peace and joy and love because man, does he get irritated. Oh man, so much fun because I just get happier because I'm just throwing joy in his face and he's just so, he gets so irritated. He just can't stand it. It's, it's really fun. It really is. You should try it. Please don't get angry with him because then you just feed him. He just eats that up and just keeps it going. Man, just start laughing at him or just, you know, I bless him. Sometimes I do like the Catholic thing just, just because <laughs> it's the only physical thing I know to just, I just bless you. With love and joy, and man, he just sears and he runs. It's awesome. So that's that's what God gets angry at. Okay, that's a, when when you're reading this, please. It's very simple, right? Because we all have had masters or people who we've owed money to that got angry with us, and we immediately start to put that filter in front of those words, and we think God gets angry. No. He says, "You wicked servant." We're like, "Aha!" God does get mad. Yeah, back to word definitions. Oh, wow, I tied that right in. I meant to do that. So word definitions, we need to look at this. The word wicked there means, can mean blind, diseased, causing pain or trouble. I don't think, I don't think the master's yelling. I think he's probably broken hearted. He looks at this guy and he goes, wow, 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 wow. You blind servant. Man, you're in such pain. 
you're so troubled by things you don't have to be troubled by because you're believing a lie that's distracted you from the opportunity that, that you have. Man, I hate what has happened to you. I hate it. You have no idea how angry I am that this huge opportunity is being stolen from you. But the only option I have is to turn you over to the jailers to be tortured until you pay what you owe. Wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Everything was going good, Bob. And then God got angry again. No, 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 no. What debt does he owe? See, the master reiterates in this, in this little verse here, in these verses right here, he says, I forgave you everything. He doesn't say, I take the forgiveness back. You owe me 10,000 bags of gold again. He never, never takes the forgiveness away. That's your master. He never takes it back. So what debt does he owe? He owes a debt of mercy. To the man that he threw in prison. <laughs> Why are you crying, Bob? Oh my gosh. Oh. He says, I've got no choice. I, I, can't, I can't take the lie out. This jailer, this torturer is yours. I've got no choice but to give you over to the lies that you believe until you pay that debt. Until you stop believing the lie and you extend mercy. I can't pull that guy out of jail, but you can. And you will be tortured by your own lies. Until you decide not to be. Because that's your choice. I've already forgiven you. I've given you the example. He says, this is how my fathers will treat you. <laughs> If you don't forgive your brother and sister from your heart. It's your choice. He's forgiven you. All of it. You couldn't pay it back anyway. And that's. That's what he's talking about. In this little parable. And what an opportunity we all have to bring heaven to earth by being ridiculously forgiving. Ridiculously forgiving. That's all I got. I, I don't know how to end it. <laughs> how do you... You know, I just, yeah. So I guess I, I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. And I'm just going to extend to you guys an opportunity, if you want, to just release mercy on yourself. How many of you, I mean, not you, how many of you know people <laughs> in other churches? Right? Forgive, you can't forgive yourself. You need to. The debt's been paid. 
Mercy's been extended. Be like Jesus to yourself. Be like Jesus to others. Release the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Amen? Amen. All right, prayer team, come on up. Bless these people. You guys are awesome. Thank you.